Rick's testimony has encouraged our hearts. We know that you have encouraged his and Sandy's hearts and their family members as they have seen the progress from what was to what is today. And we rejoice with them in realizing that even if it didn't get any better, you are still good. We may not understand that fully, but you are still good. And we thank you, Lord, for the way that you intervened in Rick's life and bringing him to that place where he wasn't allowed to do anything. But now he's allowed to do many things. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for the way that you have intervened in Paul Billow's life from his eye surgery, from a detached retina, getting that back in its proper place. And now we pray for his healing. We pray for his wife as, as Jenny ministers to Paul. And I pray, God, that you would continue to allow the healing process to be that good in Paul's life, that he too will be able to be involved in many things. Others in our congregation, we thank you, Lord, for your touch in their lives and taking them from beds of affliction to now in beds of uh, lives of strength. You've raised them up. You've given strength to their knees. You've given to them energy in their lives that they can praise you. Some are still waiting for you, oh God, to do that which gives you the greatest honor in their lives. And so we pray, oh God, that you would watch over them. They may not be able to be with us today, but we look forward to the time of, and by your grace and by your will, that they'll be able to join us and to worship you. We pray, oh God, too, for some of our missionaries. Specifically, Lord, we lift up to you the Overholtz family. And we pray, God, that even from the latest news that we received, thank you, God, for guiding and directing and allowing them to do ministry. Many times they're still here in the States, but yet there's times when they can travel to do ministry and teaching and, in, and also in helping and encouraging, specifically in the lands of Cuba and other places that you've allowed Dean to go to be used of you as an instrument of righteousness. I thank you, God, for that. And I pray for Ada's health. She's in a condition of erratic heartbeat, fast and slow, fast and slow. I pray, God, that you give the doctors wisdom as they try their best to 
deal with that situation. But all in all, Lord, we praise them, we praise you with them for the way that you have provided for them housing, housing where they have no mortgage and they're free to serve you as they minister to families who come and stay at that house. I pray God for their strength. One of our teenagers is ministering at a camp. Timmy Hollenbach is now part of a, a leadership team called Counselors. He may be in training, but yet, Lord, I pray that as he serves at Camp Susqua, that you would strengthen him, as well as all the other counselors and camp staff. I pray, God, for strength for them, that as they minister to the campers, give them patience, give them strength, Give them, Lord, knowledge that they will need to have in order to effectively minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the opportunity you've given to Tim. And we pray, Lord, that through it, not only would he learn things about you, but he would also learn things about himself and how much he needs you, how much he needs to fall on your grace and your mercy. Our graduates that most recently have received their diplomas, looking to go to a, another chapter in their lives, I pray God that you would direct them and strengthen them. Whether they're off to college or not, as they pursue what you're calling them in their lives, I pray, O oh God, that you would direct them to the place that you would wish for them to be. Strengthen them, bless them, and use them for your honor and for your glory. We come to your word, O oh Lord God, and it's not an unfamiliar passage. It won't be an unfamiliar two verses. But it will be, I trust, in many ways, life-changing for our dads, our fathers. And so, Lord God, direct your word to be delivered in your way in order that we, as your people, would be used of you for your honor and for your glory. And we'll praise you and thank you in your name. Amen. Life is full of choices, decisions that need to be made. I think one of the greatest verses in the Word of God, in fact, three verses in the Word of God that directs us to choices, is what Paul records for us in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For he says, For by grace we have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has predetermined we would walk in them. In those two, three verses, 
we find choices. Choices in which, even though for by grace you've been saved through faith, is still a choice. You have to make that decision. Is Jesus enough for you? Or are you looking for greater things than what he has to provide? And then you get to the point where you find out that, and by the way, there's nothing you can do, not of works, lest any man should vote. Salvation has nothing to do for works. You can't work your way because heaven is a free gift. If you could work your way for a free gift, then it no longer is a free gift. You've purchased it yourself. You have a choice to make. And then, verse 10, are you willing to do what God has determined for you to walk in? It's all choices. Choices surround us. You can choose to drive through downtown Dallas if you want to. Or you can circumvent that by a route that just as many people thinking they're going to get there through there faster go with you. You can choose to live in San Antonio and die of heat. Evie, no problem to you, dear. I'm glad, but you've been saved from San Antonio. Or you can drive the length of Tennessee from one corner to the other, 420-some miles long. Best part about it, Doing it at 7 o'clock at night. Because you're on your way home and there's not another hotel that you want to stop at. You want to get home. Make choices. Go to a grocery store and there's so many choices to make. Do you buy the sugar-free cereal? Or do you buy the cereal that's jacked up with sugar? You know the one that your children are going to go to. You can get regular coffee, decaf coffee. You can get foo-foo coffee. That's anything that's not regular decaf, by the way. That's that almond stuff. How do you get milk out of an almond? You can't milk it. Oh, they got to crush that all up. They got to mix it with stuff just so you can drink it. What is up with that? Choices. You can choose rare, medium rare, medium, almost well done, or burnt. It's up to you. Choices. But in each one of the choices we make, there are also consequences. See, God has given to us a free will to make choices. And in that, choices that we make, there are consequences. Choices are for us to make, consequences are for God to keep. You can make a choice to trust Christ as your only hope of eternal life, or you can choose not to. 
The consequence is laid out for us in the word of God. One is a consequence of blessing. The other is a consequence of condemnation. God controls that. Choices. When you come to Joshua chapter 24, if you would turn there please in your Bibles. Joshua chapter 24. Joshua is coming to the end of his life. He has ministered and taken the nation of Israel into the promised land. And throughout the book of Joshua, you find choices. Achan made a bad choice. He did not obey God's voice. And because of that, the consequence was that he and all of his family was destroyed. But Joshua closes chapter 24 with his last sermon. He goes back and he begins in chapter 24 in verse 1 as he begins to, as he gathers all of the tribes of Israel back together, they come to an interesting place. It's called Shechem. Now, you all may know this, but let me give you a little bit of insights about what Shechem is. Shechem, in the word of God, specifically is known as one of the cities of refuge. It's a city that if you unfortunately by accident happened to kill somebody, you wasn't meditated as an accident, you could go to the city of refuge and stay there and be safe. It wasn't a place for hoodlums. It wasn't a place for criminals. It was a place of safety. It was known as one of those areas in the land of Israel there were a few more, but Shechem is one of those cities of refuge. It's also a place of a memorial for the children of Israel. At Shechem, we are told that Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim were two mountains upon which when Joshua was in the promised land, Half of the tribes of Israel were on one, half of the tribes of Israel on the other mountains. And then Joshua began to read a covenant to God and they began to antiphonally answer back and forth, yes, we will. Yes, we will. It was a place that the nation of Israel remembered them committing themselves to God as they walked into this promised land. What's also interesting about this place is that in, in chapter 8, it's a place of a blessing and cursing, but in this place also, it's where Abraham pitched his tent. We, we know that because in Genesis chapter 12, verse 6 and 7, Abraham, as God took him out of Mesopotamia, the land of Ur, and took him to the promised land, he pitched his tent in Shechem. It was the beginning, if you will, of the blessing of God to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, and you might remember in Genesis chapter 12, it is where God did bless Abraham 
by establishing what we know as the Abrahamic covenant. And so Shechem was a great place where Joshua brought all the children of Israel back to. And it is there that he reinstituted, re-reminded, if you will, the covenant of God to the people that was based on choice. He gives them, reminds them of the history, how God brought them out of Egypt, how God provided for them through their journey. And yet he then began to give them choices. If you turn over to the places here, over in verse 14. It says, now therefore... Fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which our, your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. There's a choice. In other words, you can't serve the Lord if you're serving other gods. Joshua says... Put those gods away. You might remember as they were in Egypt, the nation of Israel was kept from their worship. This is not the time of captivity here, where about a few more hundred years from now, the nation of Israel will be taken back into captivity. No, Joshua was talking about when you were in Egypt, you started worshiping false gods. Put them away. That interesting word, put them away, in the Hebrew literally means destroy, grind to dust, so that there is no recollection of them ever again. Joshua says, put them away. Serve the Lord. Dads, what gods are we serving that keep us from serving the Lord? It is good to be home. I used to think I would be a great tractor trailer driving cross-country. I have been broke of that dream. I'm not saying that that was a God. It wasn't. That was just something that I thought I'd like to do. But that's been wiped away. But there are other gods in my life that I'd like to hang on to. One of them stands before you, the God of self. I can do it. I, got, I can do this by myself. God, I don't need you right now. And God says, okay. How's that going to work out for you? There are gods that we need to abandon. We need to grind to dust so that they no longer have a hold upon us. In fact, the Apostle Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 where he says, we are to pull every thought 
that raises itself against the authority of Jesus Christ, and we are to bring that down and subject it under his authority. We are to serve the Lord. When Joshua goes on here when he says, and, it's, and if it seems evil to you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There are two things I would like in our subject this morning to bring to your attention. The first one is this. Is that whether you are grilling or chilling today, think back to what God has done for you. Whether you are grilling or chilling, think back to what God has done for you to bring you to this place that you are right now. And secondly, I want to challenge you this morning to make a very wise choice. A choice that has God as your authority, his word as your foundation, and your master is Jesus Christ, who is Lord. In these two verses of verse 14 and 15, um, of, of 15 and uh, just verse 15, excuse me, of Joshua 24, there are three parts to his choice. He says, you choose whom you're going to serve. But as for me, the first choice is personal. It's a personal choice. The story is told many years ago when outhouses were more prevalent than they are now at households. I was a teenage boy who just got sick and tired of having to walk out to the outhouse to accomplish his task. And became so frustrated that one day that while he was out there, he had about had enough of it and he pushed the outhouse, over the hill, into the river. And as it sailed down the river, he began to smile that he didn't have to ever go to that outhouse again. The next day, his father came to him and said, Son, did you push that outhouse over the hill into the river? And the son, remembering his teacher, telling him about George Washington and the cherry tree, he said to his dad, Dad, I cannot tell a lie. Yes, I did. With a smile on his face. 
He recognized the fact, too, that his dad started to loosen his buckle. He knew what was coming. And he said, but dad, George Washington told the truth and he became president. And the dad said, yeah, but George Washington's dad wasn't in the tree. Enough said. Choices. Choices can have bad consequences. And so Joshua is standing before this huge nation of Israel and saying, but as for me, it's a personal declaration. He says, I don't know about the rest of you, but you've got to at least begin to think about what has God done for us in our journey. He's protected us. He has given us the land that he promised to give us. All along the way, yeah, there were some choices we made that weren't good choices. But all in all, God has kept his promise. And because of that, Joshua says, my personal declaration is I'm for God. I don't care what goes on around the world. I don't care even what affects this neighborhood. But as for me, I. I'm going to serve the Lord. Dads, let me ask you a question. Have you made it a personal declaration that I am serving the Lord? I'm not saying that when you make that declaration that everything is going to turn out rosy. Not at all. We're still human. We will still make choices that will have bad consequences. But all in all, what Joshua was saying, me. You choose what you want to do, but for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. It's a personal declaration. But then he goes on. He says, but as for me, and my house. Now he's making a choice, is a family declaration. As for me and my house, a family declaration. It's the idea that when your children come home from school and they say, but, but Jimmy's mom and dad are letting them do this. Or, or, or Susie's mom and dad are letting them do this. My answer always was, is Jimmy's dad or Susie's mom and dad, are they paying the mortgage of this house? Well, no. <laughs> then we're not doing it. It's creating, if you will, an atmosphere of who's in charge. 
Reluctantly, we used to tell our children, we brought you into this world and we can take you out. She probably should have never said that, but it changed their way of thinking. In other words, they're not in charge. But you remember what the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6? It begins by saying, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, and this is the first commandment of promise. Verse 2, fathers, do not exasperate your children. That word exasperate literally means don't you dare do something and tell your children the opposite. Don't cause confusion in the house. We're talking about who's in control. And the only way you're going to know that is if you, you bring the manual to the table. As for me, I'll get my instructions from the word of God, Joshua says. And for my family, I will communicate that to them. We're going to serve the Lord. If ever in our society today, we need dads and families to step forward and literally say, thus saith the Lord. It's awful quiet out here in the congregation. Either the Holy Spirit's working on you or you don't know what to say right now. But let me help you out. Somebody say amen. It's a personal decision. It's a family decision. And lastly, it is now a cultural declaration. Joshua is saying this to the whole nation of Israel. You choose this day whom you'll serve. But as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. It is a cultural declaration. To be able to stand in the face of adversity in the culture and say, you can choose what you want, but we get our instructions from the authority of the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. Culture needs to hear of a choice in which the outcome of that choice by the word of God is blessings from God. In other words, in the household, you can't have the blessing of God if you're not willing to follow the direction of God. Now, that should have got an amen, but I understand the Holy Spirit working on your hearts this morning. You can't expect God to do that which you yourself are not willing to do. Well, that should have been another amen, but anyway, I understand. We have choices to make, gentlemen. Teenagers, you are the next generation. 
You got, you have, excuse me, bad language. You have no idea yet what God has in store for you. You might like someone an awful lot. It's in between like and love. It's called look. You got no idea where that's going to go. But let me tell you something, guys. Teenage guys, this decision would be best for you to make it now. And let it be the guidance light for you for the rest of your life. But as for me personally and my family, family, culturally, we're serving the Lord. We're not walking that path. We're walking this way toward the blessing of God. Now we've, dads, you and I, we stand together. We've made mistakes. I knew that wasn't going to get an amen because that's an admission of guilt. We've all made mistakes. And I'm glad that he's a forgiving God. I'm glad that he reestablishes his covenant with us. I'm glad that he blesses us. I'm glad that he forgives us. I am so glad. That we've been blessed by God. But gentlemen, I want you to think about something this morning. Teenagers too. Teenage men, you also are included in this. I wonder. If you would be willing. To make a stand and declare. To this congregation. That maybe from this point on. But for me. In my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Mistakes of the past are gone. They've been forgiven if they've been confessed. Look at what God has done for you and gotten you to this place. What I'm going to ask you, and I don't do this often because I don't want it to be an emotional thing. I want it to be an action that is based upon the truth of the word of God. Would you take a stand with me this morning and come join me on this platform? If you're going to make a declaration, a personal declaration, a family declaration, and a cultural declaration, the best place to begin that is in the house of the Lord. Because that's where God's blessing begins for our nation, in the house of the Lord. I invite you to join me. Come, stand here with me. Young men, too. Come stand. Let's take a stand for Jesus Christ.
guys, we don't do a lot of this because we think it's a girly thing. But take the person's hand next to you. Join hands. You see, it's not just your commitment. It's everybody's commitment on this platform. The reason I can stand is that you're going to stand. The reason that our families can be successful is because we all want that. And because our culture can be changed. It begins here. It's our declaration today. I don't have a badge to give you. I, don't, I do have a book I'd love to give to you. And I've got to take account. Some, honey, count how many's up here because I've got to get enough. In fact, we'll make it easy on you, honey. Starting count one. One, two, three, four, five, six, We're, we're going to have 45, honey. <laughs> I'm going to get for you a book. And what I'd like to do is to begin meeting with you all the first Saturday of every month. The meaning, the title of the book is The Kingdom Man. We'll meet Saturday, the first Saturday of July. We'll meet in the fellowship hall. And we'll begin to discuss the principles of what it means to be a kingdom man. Changing our families, ourselves, and our culture. And I challenge you to join me. I know that sometimes <laughs> you won't be able to make a particular meeting. That's okay. But we're, we're going to go further than just standing up here looking pretty. We're going to get down to business of changing our families and our culture. But it begins with you and me. Are you with me on that? Amen. You still you want to go with it? Ladies, if you would stand, because I'm going to have a prayer of dedication for these men. And I need you to stand in order that you realize the stand that they're taking. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, not by my strength or by my will, but according to you, O oh Lord God, I dedicate these men. And the decision that they've made this morning is more than just coming up on a platform. It is literally standing with Joshua and saying, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's not going to be easy. The forces of darkness don't want to see this happen. And they're going to try to stop at any time what we're pursuing. 
But Lord, but by your strength and by your might and by your word, we're going to take a stand. We're going to do everything that we can to take a stand in the name of Jesus Christ. I dedicate these men to you. We've all made mistakes. We've all made bad choices. But from this point on, Lord, our choices are going to be determined by your word and the authority that we have from God our Father, his word to us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, suffered the shame, because he's Lord. So God, I commend these men to you and to you alone as we lay hold of the mantle that Joshua has put before us. Lord, may we rise and become a culture of joy and peace and love, self-control, gentleness, meekness, so that we strengthen our families. And to you be the honor and the glory and the power both now and forevermore. Repeat with me, men, please. Unto you, Lord Jesus. Unto you, Lord Jesus. I drive the stake in the ground. This will be our memorial. This will be our memorial. For a decision that we made today. For a decision that we made today. That we will serve you. We will serve you. My family will serve you. My will serve you. And we will tell it to the culture around us. And we will tell it to the culture around us. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. We praise you, O God. We praise you, O God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed. I will get those books to you. <laughs> Lord willing, I'll have them on the platform here next week for you. You may go join your families. Thank you.